You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, I'm excited to, uh, to be preaching this message. Uh, we are in a series called Let Us Pray. Let Us Pray. How many love Pastor Michaela's word last week here? If y'all were here, I'm sure you were because y'all come to church every week because that's what we do. And in uh, and, and this series, Pastor You're Going to Land really felt to lean into a, a season, a really a, a series of prayer because uh, John Wesley says that nothing, nothing on earth with significance from heaven happens without prayer. The Bible also says that it's not by might nor by power, but by our spirit. In other words, if we want to see heaven come in our families, if we want to see heaven come in our city, if we want to see heaven come in our workplace, in this nation, in California... We can't just do it in our own might. We can't do it in our own power. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Ghost to wake some people up. We need the Holy Ghost to do what only he can do, and he does that through prayer. And uh, I love this scripture. Um, James 5, 13, 18 is actually what Pastor Jurgenland felt that this was going to be what the series is based on. And uh, prayer, in case you didn't know, in Hebrew, in the original text, is tefillah. And tefillah means all different types of prayer. It doesn't just mean how we pray during the book of miracles. It doesn't just mean, you know, how we pray at men's and women's prayer. Uh, it means praises to God. It means, uh, you know, adoring God. It means all these different things. And so I love James 5, 13, 18, because it actually talks through all these different things. So we're going to read that. Uh, James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. Not let him, you know, call somebody else because he doesn't know how to pray. Let him pray. And it's a good thing to be able to call somebody else, trust me, whether it's the middle of the night, whether it's in the morning, whatever it is, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can always have other people pray on Sundays and Wednesdays. We're here to pray for you. But I've found in my six-year journey so far as being a believer that there are times, there are moments when I am not able to call somebody else, and I need to, in a moment, access authority from heaven. And until, wow, that was cool. Did you guys see that? Just floated onto my Bible. Whoa, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> thought the nine was good. Y'all, y'all are anointed. Woo, come on. But let him pray. So we need to learn how to pray. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, someone say faith, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You see, faith in Hebrews 11 talks about faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen, meaning on earth, there are going to be some things that don't look like heaven. And it's not like we just accept those things. It's how do we, how do we get heaven to come to earth? And that's through faith. You see, it's the prayer of the faith that when my mom was diagnosed with cancer four years ago and I was newly saved, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I got to come to men's prayer and have some people pray. And then I knew I had to pray every single day. And it was a prayer of faith that had a diagnosis turned into a misdiagnosis. But you can't tell me it's a misdiagnosis because I know that was a miracle because the prayer of faith will save the six. I've seen people with arthritis and their hands shaking. I see them prayed for and completely healed in one moment. 
forever, completely healed. That's the prayer of faith. It was the prayer of faith that got us this building when everybody, and, and you could ask even people in our church, we're like, how are we gonna do this? We just bought and, pay, and fitted out a $9 million building in South Bay. How are we gonna do this? It's even bigger here in North County. Well, it's the prayer of faith. The pastor Jurgen Land said, we're gonna pray and believe as a church that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine. It's the prayer of faith that got me a house in the middle of the craziest housing market. It's the prayer of faith that will help make sure that your family is protected, that God is, his hand is upon you and against your enemies. It's the prayer of faith that will help see California turn right side up. It's the prayer of faith that's gonna do that. We're working it out in the natural, but I'm telling you it's the prayer of faith that's gonna see that done. And so the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So through prayer, we can be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for another that you may be healed. So you can get forgiven by God, but if you want healing, you got to go to other people. And we do that every week at men's and women's prayer. You can confess your trespasses to other people in confidence, and you can be healed. Because forgiveness is great. Healing is really important, too, because you don't want to walk away forgiven but broken. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Effective, fervent, righteous. Those are three really important words. Effective, meaning there is an ineffective way to pray, believe it or not. Trust me, I knew how. I knew how to ineffectively pray. How do I know? Because everything I prayed wasn't happening when I first got saved. Fervent prayer, meaning we should pray passionately. We should be passionate about praying. Jesus says, don't be like the religious people. They just kind of go through the motions. They kind of say stuff. And, they just, and that we want to pray passionately yep. of a righteous man or woman. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You have the righteousness of God Amen. accredited to you, which means it's like Jesus praying. That's the authority that you and I can carry. And avails much. Avails fancy word for it works. Right. How many want prayers at work? Yeah. Come on, I want prayers that work. I can't afford to not have prayers at work. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced a fruit. In other words, there are all types of prayers, prayers that open heaven, prayers that shut up heaven, prayers that remove hosts of wickedness from places of authority in California and San Diego and the United States of America, and prayers that replace those people with those that are righteous. There's prayers that see the sick healed, prayers that see people forgiven, and there's prayers that get you and I, our hearts healed up. There's all kinds of prayers. And uh, it's important to know all those different types of prayers. And so, like I said, I've learned now the prayer of faith here in this church. But there was a time growing up Catholic and Jewish that I didn't know the prayer of faith. I, wouldn't, I don't even know if it was technically prayer that I knew, but I'll at least tell you what I knew of it. So I would go to Catholic Mass on Sunday. And, uh, and so, you know, if, if you've ever been to Catholic Mass, uh, you know, you'll know that you know, everyone has these recited prayers that they pray. And so I was pretty young, but I remember walking in and sitting there during mass and being like, man, did everyone just get like a pamphlet on the way in that I somehow missed? Cause everyone's saying stuff. And I mean, it's kind of sad and a little somber, but it's definitely reverent. Like they definitely respect God. Um, but I don't know what they're saying. And uh, if someone could just give me a pamphlet, they're like, no, you got to go through all this stuff. And then, then you can pray. But okay, got it. So I'm just going to sit here and then, okay. And, uh, and then, so that was that experience, right? So that was that. And, uh, and then there was the, the synagogue, because I grew up Catholic and Jewish. So very confusing. I understand. If you're hearing this for the first time online, I know. And I turned out okay. So let's just believe that you can too. And so I remember going to synagogue, and I had to go to Hebrew school. So I would go on Wednesdays, and then I'd go to Shabbat services. And then, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to learn a whole new language just to pray in synagogue. 
I can't even walk in and pray in English. They're like, here, you got to learn this language. I'm like, so I can't pray? No. But they did. I, I'm grateful for this. They had like the phonetic version. So you can learn how to do like the phonetic pronunciation of the Hebrew words next to the Hebrew. I did learn it. Did have my bar mitzvah. I did the whole thing. Um, but I didn't, it was always this one-way communication. And because we had prayers for different things, but it was never prayers. And this is what I learned from both of them. There was, there was never prayers that I could actually apply to my life. It was prayers that we prayed in a place that was holy. But then when I went out from that place, it was like nothing else mattered and God wasn't included in those areas. And prayer is really the way that how you include God in every area of your life. That's, that's really it. It's how you include God in every area of your life. So I had a faith, not really, <laughs> that worked in here but couldn't be taken out there. How helpful is that faith? It's not. And so my theology of prayer was really simple. Prayer is a one-way street. Prayer is no deviation from predetermined words. Prayer is not applicable to my daily life. And prayers are motions that we need to go through in order to please God, hopefully. That's what I thought prayer was. But I couldn't wrap my hand around it because I was reading the Old Testament in Hebrew school. And because, you know, in Catholic mass, they, they read to you. You don't read. So, you know, I never really even got to the part where they read to me because I fall asleep 20 minutes in. But. That's not the point. I never heard it from there, so I heard it in the Old Testament, but I saw prayers that were prayed to God from prophets, from people that cried out to God, and then I saw God respond. I saw prayers that were applicable to people's lives where people were barren and they wanted to be fruitful, where people were desperate for God to move in their life, and then God responded and he moved. I saw I saw a God who is a protector. I saw a God who is a provider. I saw a God who so loved the world. I saw a God who was a father. But then when I went to Catholic Mass and when I went to Jewish synagogue, I never saw believers engage with God or God engage with them. And so I thought, what, what, what happened along the way? And it was nothing that God did. It was what we stopped teaching. Wow. And so I realized that I was kind of like, I was, I was, like, I was praying to God, but God wasn't, wasn't responding. And um, what people would say about um, someone who doesn't know their father is that they are a what? They're an orphan. They're an orphan. In, in modern times, people think, oh, you're not an orphan unless you lose your mother and your father. But in the Old Testament days, you were an orphan if you only lost your father because he was the protector and he was the provider. And so, obviously, all of us today are spirit, we're spiritual orphans unless, unless we're in Christ, and then we are spiritual sons and daughters. But I realize, okay, if, if I'm living as a spiritual orphan, then of course I'm not going to know my father, but I'm meant to live as a spiritual son. So why, how can I get to know my father and how can I live as a spiritual son? Psalm 68, five has some good news for us. He says that God came to father, the fatherless, which once again was all of us spiritually when Adam and Eve really, you know, snuffed it up for all of us uh, a little while ago. And then thankfully, you know, God had a backup plan. He had Jesus come and rescue us. He reconciled us to the father. And so we could be spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. So we were all spiritual orphans, now spiritual sons and daughters. And so as spiritual sons and daughters, wouldn't it be good that we communicate with our father, that we hear from him? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in my family? What do you want to do in my workplace? What do you want to do? Because that's what sons do. Sons are about their father's business. Sons are about their father's business. So there is a way, because when we get saved, we are immediately transmuted into spiritual sons and daughters. 
But just because you have a position doesn't mean you're living it out. We see that in the White House right now. We see that in our governorship right now. We see that in city council right now. Just because you have a position doesn't mean you're actually living out the responsibilities or the identity of it. And we see this in the prodigal son. The prodigal son runs off. His inheritance completely thrown away, which I can relate to quite a bit because that's literally exactly what I did. I was like, oh, they wrote this about me. No, <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> but they did because the word of God is written on our hearts. And so, uh, you know, he comes back running to the father and he says, you know, would you just make me like a servant? I messed up. I've thrown my life away. And he lived as a spiritual orphan in the palace before he threw everything away. Because if he was actually living as a spiritual son, as he was called to be, he would never have ran away in the first place. Because orphans don't reject the father and think they know best. Sons and daughters trust the father no matter what he asks them to do. Whether it be tithe, whether it be living obedience to how he's called them to live in his word, whatever it is, they trust the father. And so he was living as a spiritual son, but he was living it out as an orphan. And then he comes back to the father, he says, just make me like a servant. Would you just, would you just make me like a servant? Because I, 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 I'm not even deserving to be in this house, but I can't live in the pigsty anymore. I got to live here. And then the father who represents our father, our heavenly father said, you know what? Uh, I love you. And I'm going to cover you with my robe of righteousness. I'm going to give you my ring of authority. I'm going to, I'm going to cover you like it never happened. And I'm going to restore you and teach you how to live. You see, because before the prodigal son was saying, you know, you're going to have to make me stay here. You're going to have to make me do this. You're going to have to make, he was trying to, like, you're going to have to force me to live how you want me to live. And the king was like, I'm not going to force you to do anything. You're going to have to make a choice to do that. But sons say, God, would you just make me like a son? Would you make me like you? Would you make me into who I'm always meant to be? And so the title of this message today is called Make Me. Make Me. And so in order for us to really live out, I appreciate the applause. It's, it's really great. <laughs> in order for us to live out our purpose, our calling as sons and daughters of God, we must allow him to make us. But that, remember, takes a conscious choice into who we're called to be. And identity, because that's really what we're looking for. We're looking to become. To become is to take on an identity. Identity in the original language means repeated way of being. In other words, it's not what you choose. Well, I choose to be fit. Well, like you have to choose it. Like you have to do the things that fit people do. Well, I choose to be a great husband. Well, you can say that you're a great husband until you're called to do the things that great husbands do. I choose to be, the only thing you actually can choose and you don't have to do anything for is salvation. <laughs> and you can thank Jesus for that because he died on a cross. So you and I are in our imperfection can be spiritual sons and daughters, but it doesn't mean we're going to live it out as spiritual sons and daughters. So today we're going to talk about how to live it out. And repeated way of being is really just your habits. What are your daily, what are your weekly habits? And so these are really the four habits of sons and daughters of the king. In other words, four habits of king's kids. Four habits of king's kids would be another great title that I thought of just now. That would have been really good. But make me's good too. Make me's good too. Okay, first, first habit. You can write this down is know him, know him, know the father. I was talking to my wife about this message uh, a couple weeks ago because I preached it at Bressy last week. And I was like, babe, why do you think people don't pray fervent, effective prayers? Why don't, why don't people see prayers that avail much? 
uh, and I always ask her, you know, to look over my message before. And cause there's usually some things that I shouldn't say that I have written down that she's like, don't say that. And then there's some things that I don't say that she's like, say that. And so, uh, she, she, she puts them in there and, uh, yeah, she's honestly way better, uh, communicator than I'm. So I'm very grateful for my wife. And she said, Alex, I think it's this. I think the biggest thing that stopped people from praying or from at least praying fervent, effective prayers is that they don't have the right understanding of who God is. Because it's actually really hard to pray effective prayers that avail much if you don't know what you should be praying for or how you should pray. Like when I first got saved, I literally like prayed for everything. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed God, because he's only gonna do what's within his will. He's a just and righteous God, meaning he cannot go against himself. So if something is in his word and in his will and in his way, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, then yeah, he's gonna answer it and he's gonna, but I thought he was gonna answer everything because, so I was just like, I'm gonna pray for anything. (laughs) I'm gonna pray for anything. But unfortunately we can't do that. And I'll explain why in a second. John four verse 24 says this, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Not those who worship him can choose if they want to, to worship him in spirit and truth. Those, you know, it's, it, you can kind of choose how you want to see God. Like God can be whoever you want him to be for you. Sorry. Uh, he's God. <laughs> and it, he started this whole thing and, uh, he's going to be worshiped and, uh, you know, adored all those things, how he wants to be. And it's a good thing for us because the way that we worship and the way that we see him will actually help us in return, a lot better. John 14, six to 14 says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there's not your truth, my truth, their truth. There's one truth. And truth has a name. And that name is Jesus. And that name is above every name. At that name, every knee will bow. Every lie, every, everything will be ripped out. And the truth will remain. And so he says in verse seven, if you had known me, he's talking to his disciples, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. In other words, what you see me doing as a son is what he's saying. I am representing the father. So if I'm not doing it, it's not the father. So everything I do is the father's will. And so we get a really good look in the gospels at what the father's will is. And that's what he wants us to be praying for. Verse 12, we're going to skip down a little bit. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go in my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything, someone say anything. In my name, I will do it. Whoa. Let's read that again. That was cool. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Man, I remember reading that when I first got saved. I said, it's over. It's game over. I am, I am, I am getting everything, everything and anything. Cause it says anything. It says anything. So I, I started praying like, God, give me a Lamborghini. God, give me a mansion in, you know, Rancho Santa Fe. God, give me, and I would just pray like all this. And you know, some of it would help others. God and world hunger. God, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, mm, uh, my prayers weren't getting answered. I was like, God, you say, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus, I got some beef with you. You said you can't lie. Where's my Lambo? But that's not what he's saying. He's saying anything in my will. In my will. Problem, I don't know God's will. <laughs> so when I pray, 
I'm like praying and spraying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like trying to pin the tail on the donkey in the middle of the dark, very dark room. <laughs> it's not working. And I'm getting frustrated. And so I slowly learned, okay, well, I need to learn like what, what are the things that I need to like, how, what is the Father's will? Great question. Disciples actually had the same question. And they said, Jesus, how do we pray? He said, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. It's about time because they were praying for thunder and fire. And <laughs> they're like, Jesus, anything? He's like, not anything. Not like that. And so he says this, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, the Father's. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To you be the power and the glory and the honor. Amen. Amen. I recommend using that as a template for how you pray because Jesus didn't say this is what you should pray. He said this is how you should pray. So you can literally go line by line, section by section, almost word by word, and actually live out all the things from your life to your family, to your business, to your community, to your workplace, to this church, to the city, to everything that you're concerned about. Because Paul says, pray about everything. Everything you're anxious about, everything you're worried about, just pray about it. And you can do that through that prayer. So save that. It's really helpful. It's Luke 11, verse 1 to 13, and it will help you. But he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So in other words, there is a kingdom that is not mine. There's a kingdom that's the father's. There is a kingdom that's mine. It's a king's dominion is what kingdom means. So I have a kingdom, the things that are under my rule. Uh, you know, the, uh, the world has a kingdom. The devil has a kingdom. You know, Nathan Fletcher thinks he's got a kingdom. You know, Governor Newsom has a kingdom. Uh, but how many know that there is one kingdom that is greater than every kingdom? One kingdom that trumps every kingdom. One kingdom that sits high above every kingdom. And so it's that kingdom that Jesus came to enforce. It's that kingdom that Jesus came to implement. He says, now you, giving you the keys, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So I want you to establish the kingdom in your families. I want you to establish the kingdom in your workplaces, in your communities, everywhere you go, establish the kingdom. Because that's what he came to do. And Jesus took back the kingdom from the devil when he resurrected. But the question is, okay, so we're getting closer. I'm, I'm figuring out your will. Your will is to pray this way. Okay, good. Uh, well, what's kingdom? Like, what's your kingdom? Great question. It's found in the Old Testament. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. This is Jesus speaking prophetically. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. In other words, what's the kingdom? It's that. Anything in there is the kingdom, meaning if there's anything that opposes that kingdom, whether it be sickness, whether it be hosts of wickedness, whether it be plans of the devil, whether it be depression, anxiety, fear, anything that opposes that kingdom, you and I have authority to say, no, 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 not that kingdom, but this kingdom. We bind that and we loose heaven in the name of Jesus. So if you're ever wondering what's the kingdom, that's what Jesus came to establish because we need to understand what kingdom is in order for us to actually live it out and bring it here to earth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it does. Because that's kingdom. But knowing God's will 
comes from a lifestyle of daily devotion, not only to knowing this scripture, not only to knowing that scripture in Luke, but actually living it out day by day in your word. And the more you know him, the more you can know yourself and know the authority that God has given you. The second habit is know the new you. Know the new you. Once we begin to develop a picture of who God is accurately, like the true God, who he really is, uh, we can begin to develop a clear picture of who we actually are. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is honestly probably the, one of the hardest things for me when I became a new believer because I did a lot of bad things. Like, I was not a good kid. <laughs> I, I, I did a lot of bad things, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But there were things that I had stuck in my mind that I had done, whether it be drug usage, the parties, the using people, like you, you name it. And I you know, was pretty much involved in it. And, and so I needed to learn how to see myself differently because in order for me to actually walk in a place of authority and see myself as a king's kid, I couldn't focus on the old self. I couldn't focus on the old self. I, was, I had to remember, I'm no longer in a pit, I'm in a palace. I'm no longer headed towards a coffin and death, I'm headed towards a crown and everlasting life. I'm a king's kid. I'm a king's kid because orphans walk around sulking, sad, dejected, and that was me. I was, I was facing massive rejection, anxiety, fear, trying to please people, all these different things. And so I walked very afraid. I was a very afraid person, not just walk, but I lived it out. I was, I was an afraid person. I wasn't living uh, in the authority and the confidence that a king's kid would. And if you've ever seen any show or any movie uh, you know, with royalty, you watch how those kids walk around. It's a little bit different. Because when you're an orphan and something goes wrong, you got nobody to call. When you're an orphan and you get sick, sorry. You're an orphan and an unexpected bill comes, well, you got to figure it out yourself. When you're an orphan and a bully comes, picks on you, well, sorry, got to fight yourself. And some of us have gotten so used to living out in our own strength and our own mind and our own power that we're living as spiritual sons and daughters, but we're actually living as orphans. You see, King's kids walk around with a little pet, with a little like, oh, you wanna, you toe to toe? Okay, well, I got the letter of a king behind me. Anything I say goes because the same power and authority that rests on my father is the same power and authority that rests on me. So devil, you better get off my family. Devil, you better get off my city. Devil, you better get off this state, this state of California. You better get off the United States of America because you don't know who you're messing with. I'm a king's kid. And until we see ourselves as king's kid, we'll see ourselves as sinners. Honestly, unless, if you're, a new, if you're a new creation, if you're born again, let's stop saying that. You're not a sinner. You're a king's kid. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it took a while for me, but I'm at a place now where I know that I'm not, I'm not walking in the authority of myself and my flesh and what I've done. I'm walking in an authority that was bought and paid for with the highest price, like Pastor Mike said. I don't have the right to, but I do have the right to because of what he did. Because if we don't see ourselves that way, if we see ourselves as unworthy, as less than, we'll actually pray like trying to get to a place of authority rather than praying from a place. And remember, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but you gotta start walking in it. And we see this actually happen where people who like don't really know their authority try and exercise their authority and it doesn't go well. 
In the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 15, we see a group of like four believers. So Jesus already, you know, gone, resurrected everything. And so he's commissioned the church. And, you know, some people, there's like four people that are like, hey, we're going to go bust some demons a little early. Like they didn't fully know their identity, weren't really walking their authority. And uh, I mean, I did that. I get it. Like, you know, you, you got to give it a go. And I really hope, and I think that maybe these four guys, you know, they went and figured out their authority after this because you probably have to. So they went and they, they tried to exercise this demon. And the demon's like, who are you? They're like, oh crap, he's talking back. <laughs> he says, the demon says, Jesus I know. Paul I know. You? I don't know you. And then they got their butts kicked. You see, it, the, the, the demon didn't just say, well, Jesus we know, but you we don't know. He said, Jesus we know, Paul we know. In other words, Paul was just as famous in heaven as he was in hell. And I think that should be a good goal for every single person in this house. I want the devil to be so afraid when we show up on Tuesday mornings, on Thursday mornings for women's prayer, on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, say, oh no, oh no, awakens getting together. I better armor up, I better escape. Because at the, at the letter of a king, every knee bows, every knee bows. The third point as we start to wrap this up is seek first the Father. You see, Jesus was fully God, fully man, modeled to us a life of pursuing the Father's will above all else. But it said that he did that as a practice. He did that as a habit. He got away and got time with God so he could get filled up because he poured his life out like an offering. But before he did that, he would get filled up. It says that in Luke 5, 16, it says, so he himself often withdrew in the wilderness and prayed. You see, time of corporate prayer is really, really good, and we need it. The church is called, it's a, it's a group project, in case you didn't know, Christianity. <laughs> And the group project isn't always perfect, but we are called to be together. We are called to be together. And so uh, he would often withdraw and he would have this lifestyle of prayer with him and God because God wants to know you personally. He wants a prayer time with you personally. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. And he knows, but he wants you to talk to him. And, uh, and then for you to learn your authority in that. And uh, I remember I was, you know, maybe a year or so saved and, uh, and life was starting to get better. Like, cause I came in a total wreck and life was starting to progress and grow and all these things. And, um, and, and I, you know, just got married and I wanted to start a business and I, you know, wanted to, you know, I was coming on staff and I was like, God, I really, I need a, I need a vision. I need to figure out what my next step, how do I level up? And so after a service like this, you know, the ministry team was forward. And so I came forward and I wanted prayer and Pastor Colin Higginbottom was on the front row. And so he was praying for people and Pastor Colin, if you didn't know, incredible pastor here in our church is also a, a great businessman. Uh, I think his business has done you know, 50 million or so and, and like he's doing really, really well. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, oh, I want some of that on my life. And then uh, he's an incredible communicator, preacher, like he's annoying. I was like, I want that. So I'm, like, I'm gonna have him pray for me. He's gonna give me a word. He's gonna give me something good. And, uh, and so I go up and I'm like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna give me something so specific, something so awesome. And I was thinking totally this way. And then how many know sometimes we think we know what we, want, what we need, but God ultimately knows what we need. And that's how good God is. I went up and I was just ready. And I'm like, come on. And then he says exactly what I didn't really want to hear, but I needed to hear. He said, Alex, stop worrying about becoming a king. Stop worrying about the business stuff. It's going to take care of itself. He said, stop worrying about the pastor stuff. It's going to take care of itself. He said, Alex, you need to focus on becoming the greatest man of God that you can become. And he challenged me in that moment to a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of devotion. At that time, I would honestly tell you, I was so ebb and flow. Like when things were really good, I wasn't praying because I'm like, things are good. Obviously, they're going to keep going good. How many know that doesn't happen? And then when things were low, 
I was praying, I was seeking God, I was, and then it was just this constant roller coaster. And maybe you're here today and you're living that out and you're like, man, I haven't really been consistent with my devotional life, with my word life. And, and he challenged me and he told me he was, and he was 90 minutes every morning, he seeks God. 90 minutes every morning in prayer and reading and worship and devotional. And I was far from that, but I said, I'm gonna commit to that because if that's what's built your life, if that's what's built every great man or woman of God I know's life, then it's worth building my life on. Because whether I'm in good times or whether I'm in bad times, I know I can hear from heaven. And if I can hear from heaven and hear from my Father, I know I can exercise my authority here on this earth and see kingdom come, his will be done. And so I started doing that. It wasn't perfect, but now I have a daily basis where I'm with God, hearing from him, and everything is a lot better because of that. I can guarantee it. So Jesus modeled that life, but he didn't want us to stop there. He wanted us to know how to pour ourselves out. Because once you get to the point where you realize, okay, I'm filled up, and that's where I was. I was praying for people, and I was coming to men's prayer. I was like, I was getting a lot of prayer, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, my life's pretty good. I should probably start praying for other people. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here in the middle <laughs> every time. And so I would do that, and I started praying for people, and I started realizing, wow, my prayer life can go beyond myself. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He came and fulfilled the love God, love others, and loving God, I was getting my portion, but I needed to now dispense it. I didn't want to be a pond. I wanted to be a river because ponds get really dirty. Don't let your life get mucky. Start dispensing, start giving out. And so, uh, and so I learned, okay, how, how do I start doing that in my prayer life? How do I start doing that in my prayer life? Okay, I, I, I've got my needs covered, but let's go back to that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Tanae's life and Brielle's life and my generations to come through us. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my finances and my businesses and my family. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my friendships. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done in my neighborhood. Father, I declare all 66 units, every single household is encountering you. Every single household is seeing your goodness, is being awakened to your purpose, your light, your truth. Father, I thank you for the city of San Marcos. Father, that every single would know your name, that every single household, every single school, every single workplace would be filled with the presence of God. Holy Ghost, that you would do what only you can do in this city. I thank you for the righteous rising up, for pastors rising up in San Marcos, that it wouldn't just be awakened church. There would be other churches that rise up and stand for truth, that see you move, Holy Ghost, that see salvations, signs, wonders, miracles for all three million souls in San Diego, that you're not done with San Diego, you're just getting started. We force back the kingdoms of wickedness and we enforce the kingdoms of righteousness. Father, we thank you for California. We declare California is not done. Why don't you stand up and start praying? Because you can have a prayer life that goes beyond you. Father, we declare California is not lost. California is corrupt. And anything that's corrupt, we oppose right now in the name of Jesus. We command every host of wickedness, every spiritual leader that is not of your spirit, we command to be removed right now in Jesus' name. We declare the righteous are coming into power. The righteous are coming to authority. The righteous are coming in influence. And we thank you for pastors rising up. We thank you for millionaires and billionaires becoming part of the church and funding the greatest expansion, the greatest kingdom expansion that's ever happened on this planet. Father, we thank you for the United States of America. We thank you that the United States of America was founded on biblical principles. And just like you say in your word that if a child is taught of the Lord, when they grow up, they will not depart from it. Father, we declare just as the United States of America was founded and taught of the Lord, when it grows old, right now, in 2021 and beyond, 
it shall not depart. So we command every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you in this nation to be condemned, whether it be in the White House, whether it be in the Congress, whether it be in the Senate, whether it be wicked corporations, we flush out, tear out, rip out every single lie and leader of influence and power and authority, and we replace them with the righteous. We think that the righteous would rise, that the wealth of the wicked would be thrown over to the righteous. In Jesus' name, and this nation would see revival like it's never seen. This nation would be delivered. This nation would be saved. Father, save this nation. You say if we would humble ourselves, if we would turn from our wicked ways, if we would pray to you and seek your face, that you would heal our land. So Father, heal this country, heal California, heal San Diego, heal San Marcos, heal my family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, you can have a prayer life that goes beyond just you. You can have a life that pours out. Because God says, I'm looking for one man, one woman. And if just one man or one woman stand up. But I wonder what happens when there's a thousand people in San Marcos praying like that every single day. I wonder what happens when there's 10,000 people, part of Awakened Church in San Diego and Salt Lake City that start praying for that. You don't think revival's coming? I'm telling you, we are right at the doorstep. We're living in it right now. Begin praying by faith that all things are gonna work together for us. In Jesus' name. Well, hey, why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. Real quick, I wanna pray for two types of people and then we'll dismiss. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I don't, I, I like what you said. I'm not really sure where to start though. Well, friend, are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and is he your savior? Because if he's not today, that's your decision. And it is a decision. It's not like you get to choose all these different things. It's like we either choose Jesus or we choose the world. And our eternity depends on which one we choose. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that like Pastor Mike said, that God so loved the world, he so loved you singing at home and live stream that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so today, friend, if you're saying, I've never had that relationship, it's the first time I'm hearing of Jesus. Well, friend, he came and died for you. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is receive his love, invite him to be your Lord and Savior. We're gonna do that here in a moment. Maybe the second type of person you're saying, Alex, I grew up religious, I grew up in a Christian home, but I walked away, fell away, ran away. I'm not really in relationship anymore. Uh, I need to come back to him like the prodigal son. I need to come back to not only the house of God, I need to come back to a relationship with the Father. Well, friend, you can do that today. And on the count of three, I just want everyone, and whether you're live stream on home, you can just do this too. Just lift your hand just so you know, so I know who I'm praying for. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could just lift your hand wherever you're at. I got the lights come down just a little bit. Beautiful, I see that hand. I see that hand. Beautiful, I see that hand. Incredible, I see those hands over there. Beautiful, I see that hand. I see that hand. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm gonna wait 10 more seconds if someone waited 10 seconds for me. Is there just one more? pray this prayer together, y'all. We're going to pray this prayer together. And this is a prayer that invites Jesus to become Savior and become Lord over your life, over my life. And all of us have prayed this together at one point. But if this is your first time and you raise your hand, I want you to just say it with all your heart, 
with all your mind, with all your soul, because this is the day that everything changes. This is the day that everything shifts. This is the day that you'll remember forever. So we're all going to say this is a family. And then afterwards, my friend Joe down here has a Bible and a book called Following Jesus. And that book, the Bible, is God's word to you and me. And it's what I was reading out of today. So we're going to give that to you. And then the book Following Jesus is a book that our, one of our pastors wrote. And it's kind of like a quick start guide. Like, where do I read? It's a really big book. That book's going to help you. And it'll tell you where to read. So we're all going to say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. I turn away from my sin and from my old life, and I turn to you. I turn to your salvation. I declare you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Make me into your, and then put son or daughter, there's a lot of you. I thank you that the rest of my life, I will follow you, I will obey you, and it will be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.